Welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. I'm Abhishek and joining me over the phone after a very long time from Bangalore to talk about this issue's cover story is the senior assistant editor Rohin Dharmakumar. Good morning Rohin, welcome back. Good morning Abhishek, always great talking to you. Thank you and we also have uh, well we nowadays we almost always have the deputy editor Shishir Prasad from Mumbai. Hi Shishir, good morning. Yeah. My boss thinks I'm not working hard enough. He puts me on this morning podcast every now and then. Yeah. I don't know about you, uh, Rohin, but it's rained almost incessantly for the past 36 hours in Mumbai. Yeah, that's true. Three hours and counting now. Yes. Uh, so, talking about this cover, Rohin, the first one is for you. The subject of the story is e-commerce, which is uh, which almost everyone is familiar with, whoever has bought anything online. So, can you take us through it, uh, What what your cover story is about? Sure. The cover story is about the arrival of e-commerce in a big way in India, finally. I think it's been much heralded and we've seen people saying that it's here, it's now. But I think we're finally seeing that happen on a sustained basis across India. So we're seeing people all over India, ranging from the big cities to smaller towns and like, you know, even Mufasal towns start buying stuff online. We're seeing people buy all kinds of stuff online, ranging from gold coins to television sets to baby products to, of course, airline tickets, etc., which has been around for a while. And finally, we're seeing enormous amount of entrepreneurial activity and venture funding. So you piece all of this together, it looks like e-commerce is finally here and nothing can stop it now. And Shishi, just to carry on from where Rohin left, uh, there was a feeling back in the early 2000s and late 1990s where people were very gung-ho about the, the whole e-commerce bit with number of websites that came about and yeah. you were in the thick of things when you covered all those topics. So, h- how was it back then? Yeah, it was very, very interesting. See, the fact is that it happened just for a year. That's it. I mean, let's be very clear. It began somewhere in 99 and it ended pretty much by the time 2000 was over. So, but okay, two years if you add it up. And a lot of them were copycat ideas taken from the U.S. Some of them even today are copies of U.S. business models. Unfortunately, the difference between the way economies functioned and the way economies were structured was so different that even if you borrowed a business model out of the U.S., it was very hard to make it work. So, you know, many people tried book retailing, many people tried sending this, that, and the other. Very few of them actually worked because people, they didn't realize that, that if you want to do sell flowers, it's actually like a florist business. Just because you're on the net doesn't make it any less intense or less grunge work than, let's say, a conventional florist does. So, by the time that was cleared, most of the services, like Rohan said, you know, the airline ticketing took off. The other service that took off was e-broking, which is now actually almost mainstream because most brokerage firms, you know, use trading platforms, like AJC Direct or whatever. They, they were a novelty then. So, it's mostly services businesses where you didn't have to actually ship the product because mm-hmm. the logistics supply chain wasn't in place. So, that's the difference this time around. What is not different is the euphoria that is building up. And like the last time, some of them will end in tears. Right. But back then, we didn't have enough internet connections and broadband connectivity was not as steep as it is today. I'm not even talking about the mobile phone. So, is this a a big enough reason for e-commerce to be back again and not in the same way that it was before? Because in the past, there were times when the shipping cost was more than the cost of the product itself in certain cases, which brought quite a few companies down. So, in terms of the difference back then and now, Rohin, a couple of things that you think might work this time? So, you know, I think one of the points is what you've mentioned, right? The size of the internet user base itself. 
ultimately for a channel you know that over the internet you know the size of the market is determined by how many people can access the internet one of the entrepreneurs from back those days by teacheran of fab mart which is now called india plaza said that you know the entire internet you know audience in india was about 1 million back then today we keep talking about 100 million internet users in india including mobiles now even assuming 20% of that or 30% of those are you know accessed on a regular basis you're talking about 20 30 million users today and that number is growing exponentially and it will continue to because all the telecom operators are moving towards being data providers and like you know upgrading their broadband capacity etc so there is a massive inflection point today in terms of internet usage so that's the biggest difference i mean so many more people can access you know these e-commerce sites the other of course is the fact that the indian economy and indian consumers today are significantly bigger and better off than they were back in 99 2000 economically and in terms of aspirations right i mean thanks to the rise of etch and multiple television channels and the entry of so many more brands people outside of metros are aware of you know what products and services are out there and they want them and they have the money to buy them so therefore you know you have two big things coming together you have the channel which allows them to kind of purchase it and then you have the aspirations and income which kind of connects it and then you are therefore like you know a golden kind of uh, scenario right but you know rohit on the same account there is one cliche that in india that you know when it comes to buying we love to see and feel and touch these products so how much of that do you think has changed so let me ask you differently uh, when was the last time uh, any one of you either you rohit or shishir you bought anything online that you recall in my case i think it was about a month back i purchased a samsung galaxy s2 smartphone online for 30000 rupees and i bought it through let's buy one of the companies which we talk about in the article that apart i bought books i mean in, if i just look at the last three months i bought books from flipkart i bought a cordless phone from the us through an e-commerce site that does mm-hmm. those kind of orders so i'm i'm pretty much a believer then of course i'm completely discounting the fact that like you know tickets tickets you know i think e-commerce is the only mod channel that all of us use right now right true Rohin just to cut you in Shishi do you think Rohin is an exception among people who buy stuff online if you leave aside tickets and books no it's pretty much the, well i mean well i hate to sound like an old man but <laughs> these are the generation where people are you know i'm still stuck at ticketing for instance i haven't bought a physical product on online there are lot of people not not him i mean there are uh, you know i know, books definitely i've seen people buy i would still say that uh, yeah he is one of the slightly more you know advanced for users of the internet in more ways than one so very interesting point made by again uh, vyti shuran of india plaza this is something most of us don't realize which is you know in the last decade between the original e-commerce boom and now what also changes two things products today have become much more reliable and fail safe than they were probably 10 years back today when we buy a mobile phone or a tv or a computer you know in most cases they don't break down yeah. right i mean when was the last time you know you bought a you know product and it turned out to be a lemon so reliability mm. of product has gone up by orders of magnitude and the other very significant thing is most manufacturers now offer a third warranty service that is independent of the retailer so the place where you're buying from has almost nothing to do mm. with post sale service so therefore you could be buying a product from let's say chroma you could be buying it from your neighborhood mobile store you could be buying it online but if it breaks down these three guys have nothing to do yeah. with servicing right right so these two things are you know fairly important i think indian consumers have kind of figured it out it 
doesn't matter where I'm buying right. from, if it's an original product, I'll get support for it. That's a fair point, uh, Rohan, but you also mentioned Chroma. Now, a few days back, I was at Chroma in uh, Mumbai, in, in Mulund, and there I saw a couple of guys uh, buying Dell. Now, incidentally, Dell you can buy online, and that is exactly what uh, the Chroma salesman was doing for them. Now, there was a, a section where they had the laptops for display, but at the end of it all, when they had to make the transaction, they had to actually do it online. Uh, and the salesman carried out the same transaction that the buyer would have had he been at his own place. But the difference was probably India is one of the few markets where Dell has an outlet wherein you can you can see those products because they cost up to 50,000 rupees uh, on some occasions. So probably for very expensive items, companies are trying to find a midway, whereas your article states uh, the other side where there are daily deal sites like uh, something like a snap deal. Snapdeal is essentially a uh, variant of the Groupon model, so of group buying, right? So in the Groupon model, they go to merchants and the company will figure out a product or a service on a deep discount and then they'll offer it to consumers. And if enough consumers take that offer up, then the deal is kind of offered. In the case of Snapdeal, you know what uh, Sunal Bell has done is he said there's no point, you know, offering a deal conditional to enough people accepting it. What the hell? We want to offer it just as it's. So, I mean, once the deal is offered, even if you're just the only person taking that deal, they will give it to you. So, that's a, you know, fairly important difference between Snapdeal and Groupon because, you know, it means that when you're buying an order, you know, you don't have to wait by the end of the day or another day to figure out whether it's finally yours or not. You know it's there. That apart, I think the model itself works, you know, on the basis of what's called distress inventory. Uh, you could be a restaurant owner, you could be a salon owner, you know, you could be a seller of, let's say, mobile phones. And you realize that you've got stuff that isn't selling and you want to kind of give it off at a deep discount. Hopefully those customers will come back. That is something which we did not put up in the story because there is a length and, you know, we had to cut. But for a reader, the, the way to think about it is there are retailers. So like in real life, there are retailers, people who sell stuff directly, who basically take the inventory risk in some ways. And so therefore, those are your, you know, script cards and whoever else in the world. Actually, the strange thing is, which you've, uh, you know, uh, right now, we don't have a large online general purpose retailer. Something like a Walmart version of online. That, that'll probably come later. Most of people right now are speciality retailers. So, from Flipkart is now expanding to, into other areas, but largely it is known for its books retailing. And ultimately, somebody will become a general purpose where you can, you know, buy anything. You can buy a tennis racket, you can buy shoes, and you can buy books as well. And then there are marketplaces. So, on that, you have either older stuff like eBay and all that. And now you've got group buying sites where you actually are aggregating the unsold inventory. But they're more like, you know, people putting up deals on the site. If it, it works out, the deal gets sold off. That's it. So marketplaces and retailing. So two different sort of areas in that way. Right. And and in these daily deal sites, now if I were to play a, a devil's advocate or, or some people argue that, you know, even Groupon, which is considered by some as the fastest growing company and that it will have an IPO sooner this year or sometime later. It recorded a loss of $413 million last year in spite of growing that fast. So while it might not be an apt comparison against a company which is just growing in India, but is that something that could be the right future for e-commerce or will it be mostly companies like Flipkart which actually sell you know the regular stuff like, like books or Niantra which sells t-shirts or Let's Buy from whom you bought, bought that Galaxy? I don't think we are in a position right now to say that which one will survive or which one is better. 
I mean, it's undeniable of the fact that, like, you know, a company like Snapdeal or the group buying companies are seeing enormous revenue traction, right? So that you can't deny. The fact that they're actually selling products and services, that can't be denied. The fact that they're providing value to both retailers as well as consumers can't be denied. Now, there are valid questions around Groupon's model that will retailers stick around because how long can a retailer afford to keep on giving big discounts? But, you know, the counter to that is India is a fairly large country, so is the U.S. Maybe they'll evolve. I don't think we know right now. But I don't think we can say that Flipkart's business is inherently better than Snapdeal. So a lot of VCs might feel that, but I don't think we are in a position, at least today, in the phase of e-commerce evolution in India to actually take that call. And this is an open question, which we raise at some point in the story as well, which is that nobody has ever figured out or nobody knows how profitable these companies will be. So, you know, Walmart's and Amazon's net margins are roughly similar. I mean, not too much of a difference out there. Now, if that indeed is the case, it probably means that they will be like any other retailer. It is just that for some, there will be the physical store, and for some, there will be the online store. Right now, the story is exciting, primarily because of the revenue growth. Because, you know, suddenly a lot of people are buying stuff through them. And we know that in any space where profits are going to be there, there's going to be more than one site, they're going to drive down the transaction costs, and so profitability will eventually come down as well. Maybe, you know, it's not immediately, in the certainly three to four to five years terms. But... Just the way it would, so for example, mobile phones, telecom companies, you to have heavy fat margins seven to eight years ago. That's come down today. And it'll probably go down even further. IT companies had margins of excess of 40%. I mean, Infosys used to have 42 to 45%. It's down to whatever, 27 or 28 now. Right. So it will come down, but at some point, for certain categories, I may not actually want to step inside a store. That land can be probably better used for some other stuff. For instance, I mean, you know, if you go to Amazon, it's an amazing service that they offer. I mean, just about any book that you can think of is available. You can browse few pages. I like going to a bookstore, but for all practical purposes, they're as good as a bookstore. So they're, they're providing value. Yes, and talking about value, they have that recommendation engine where looking at your the book that you purchase, they'll recommend you five books that other people bought. And sometimes that can be helpful. Yes. And uh, also your article does mention that it's in spite of all of this, uh, uh, the online retailing sector, and I quote from the article, the online retailing sector today put together will not add more than 1,500 crores in sales. Yeah, so again, Abhishek, you said earlier that travel accounts for like, you know, the largest chunk of e-commerce in India. So when we say 1,500 crores, we're talking about everything else other than travel. I think the growth has started exploding in the last maybe 12 to 18 months or maybe 12 to 24 months. I think we have quite a very significant inflection point and, and I think one of the points which we forgot to mention earlier is that unlike many you know advanced countries where modern retail was fairly established and then like you know e-commerce came along as a more efficient way of doing business and therefore consumers take that. In India modern retail itself hasn't kind of spread out all over. I mean, you know, beyond the biggest cities, you will find modern retail lacking. So therefore E-commerce can be, you know, that e-commerce for many customers and, you know, Indians in smaller towns and cities will probably be the first avenue for them to buy the products that they want, not modern retail. So, therefore, they have the potential to not just take away business from modern retail, but actually create the market. And there's a lot of untapped opportunity out there. So, don't go and buy the 1,500 crore at present. I suspect you'll find it much, much higher in about two years from now. Actually, yeah, he's like, I mean, that's the number I would actually watch. 
So, for example, if they grow at compounded even you know, 50-60%, that number, whatever, the 1,500-2,000, whatever it is, that can just shoot up and, you know, become a fairly large number in like three to four years. I mean, suppose it goes on to become like 10,000 or 12,000 crores. That is significant consumer traction, that is significant buying power. Uh, you have a sort of chance to dictate supply chains and then everything point by. Would you take a shot at predicting what the near future will look like? Ah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let him do that. I let him do the dirty work. I don't think we can put a number to it, Abhishek. I mean, except that I saw that coming really significantly. Sorry, I saw that coming. No, no. For simply the reason that there's a huge variance among e-commerce companies today. So, for instance, Flipkart tells us that they're growing at about 700, 800 percent. Another company tells us they're growing at 300 percent, 200 percent. I mean, almost no one we spoke to is growing less than 100 to 200 percent today, right? So, how does one extrapolate? Now, it's not anyone's case that these growth rates will continue to infinity or even for three, four years. But the point is, there's too much of noise and chaos right now for us to kind of predict a number. Right. But, uh, but you can be sure that one of the consultants of various, uh, either one of the accounting firms, somebody will come out with a report very soon. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and predict the market price. Exactly, because e-commerce is today the gravy bandwagon. Forgive my turn of phrase. <laughs> There's lots of venture money, you know, investor money, consultant money, advisor money floating around. So you'll see more people trying to kind of become explainers of that trend and therefore come out with numbers saying that this is what it is. <laughs> Right. And talking about trends, uh, Rohan and Sishir, your story uh, on a completely different note, what is the trend that you think your story has in this one? There is one trend that you guys always pull off each time. And I think I've given away enough. It's about, for the listeners who haven't heard our previous podcast, it's about uh, uh, the two of you mentioning either a band or a popular song from the 60s or the 70s, and it makes it into the article, whether it's about uh, 3G or about (laughs) e-commerce. And this time, uh, Sishir, you are the man who, I think, Rohin tells me that you are the man who brings in these either lyrics or the band names. What is it this time? Yeah, that's a, you know, a device I use to sort of embed my name in the story. But no, no. <laughs> serious, it is just, uh, you, know, you know, sometimes as a writer, you're just looking for a transition. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can ask the question very plainly or sometimes that's, uh, I like that song. I like both the versions. I like Marvin Gaye's version. I also like the one which Four Non Blondes did right. about 10, 15 years ago. It's more of a, you know, whim rather than any rational explanation. I hope people listen to the song after that they uh, read the story. Right. So we've covered REM, we've covered Marvin Gaye, and what else have we covered so far in the cover story? I think there was uh, one more. Yeah, I can't no, think. I think, uh, uh, no, I think we had to kind of prevent Shishir from going beyond one uh, song reference <laughs> in this story. <laughs> well, thank you so much, yeah. both of you, this morning for joining in. And uh, for all, all you listeners out there, please log on to Forbes India's website, that is business.in.com, to get this podcast, as well as theindicast.com. And you can also search us on iTunes. Uh, the podcast series is, is free. Just subscribe to us, and each time we upload a podcast, it will be there on your iPods or laptops, wherever you have your iTunes on. And uh, to subscribe to the Forbes India magazine, just uh, message Forbes to 51818. That's 51818. And uh, thanks again, Shishir Rohin. Thanks, Abhishek. Thank you.